Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast for the issue dated January the 13th to the 19th. I'm Richard Lane. The resurgence of syphilis in China is the main feature of this week's podcast. We'll be talking to one of the study authors. Before that, some other highlights from this week's issue. A research article highlights how men with short telomeres, that is, strands of DNA found at the end of chromosomes, could be at an increased risk of coronary heart disease compared to men with longer telomeres. We published an important randomised trial concerning the treatment of acute lymphoblastic leukaemia among children. This international study shows how less intensive treatment that avoids using vincristine and steroids could be just as effective as chemotherapy alone for children with intermediate risk disease. In our correspondence section this week, we published a series of critical letters about the Iraq mortality study that we published last October. Authors of that study respond to the criticism. And Dr Gilbert Burnham, one of the authors of that study, is profiled in this week's perspective section. The current situation in Iraq relating to the public health infrastructure is also picked up in one of our editorials. This week's issue also highlights the Lancet's Paper of the Year 2006, or rather two papers. These were chosen by our International Advisory Board and our in-house panel of editors. Two papers were chosen, both documenting the development of a vaccine against rotavirus, a major cause of diarrheal disease, morbidity and mortality in less developed countries. These two papers were published in 2006 in the New England Journal of Medicine. But the resurgence of syphilis in China is the main feature of this week's podcast. Earlier, my colleague, Oda spoke to one of the study authors, Dr Myron Cohen. Could you remind us how severe an infection syphilis is? Syphilis is a serious sexually transmitted disease. In pregnant women, it leads to spontaneous abortion and congenital deformities, and obviously bad for the health of the uh, mother. In untreated adults, it can lead to genital ulcers and systemic illness in the short run, and in some patients, over the long run, it leads to serious, even life-threatening disease of the heart, blood vessels, central and peripheral nervous system, and joints. And quite simply, syphilis is not to be ignored. Right. And how has syphilis manifested itself in China over the past century? Well, over the first half of the 20th century, syphilis was rampant in China, and it was a very common cause of severe illness and hospitalization and morbidity. And then Mao and his government came into power in 1949, and they focused on the health of the people and on very efficient screening and really um, simple health care policies. And in a kind of heroic effort that's been very well documented, they virtually eliminated STDs, including syphilis. Now, the story of that work, the work of Mao and a guy named uh, George Hatem and others, is, is really legendary in the public health field. The article published in The Lancet on uh, January 13th documents and explains the return of syphilis to China from about 1985, 1986 to the present time. So over the past 20 years, there's been this resurgence um, in a kind of a century-long story. How does surveillance in China estimate syphilis prevalence? Well, there's a mandatory reporting system across the country where uh, cases that are detected are reported locally and then their information sent centrally. But such reporting systems all over the world are, are limited. So in addition, 26 sentinel sites are monitored. So in this particular article, we focus on, on both sets of data, both the mandatory reporting system and then the 26 sentinel su- surveillance sites. And what changes in epidemiology have there been in the past decade? Well, there's been a massive rise in the incidence and prevalence of syphilis, especially in some cities and especially in some high-risk populations. And so it's not very difficult to document that uh, risk groups um, are suffering greatest part of the epidemic, but it's also bridging into the general population. How 
could these increases be explained? I mean, are they partly explained by better surveillance systems? Yeah, I, I don't really think that the surveillance, for, that's, a, that's obviously a good question. It's, you don't detect a thing unless you try and find it or measure it. And so you could say, well, the evidence of syphilis rise is because we're getting better and better at either lab testing or reporting or measurement. I don't really think that's the case. I think that what we're seeing is a combination of biological and social forces at play. Uh, first, the success of the 1950s left the current generation of people living in China with virtually no immunity to syphilis. Uh, some research suggests that there, at the population level, there is some immunity to syphilis, and that would affect the natural history of an epidemic. In addition, it's important to note that the population in China is very unfamiliar with sexually transmitted diseases, and perhaps especially syphilis, because they were gone for so long from the country. And Second, increased freedom and wealth in China has led to a resurgence in sex work. And sex workers are a population greatly affected by uh, syphilis and with a very high prevalence. Third, expansion in Western ideas has led to changes in, in culture, not just Western culture. Changes in culture have led to changes in sexual mores. So, and what we're seeing is that the age of onset of intercourse in China and some other parameters that suggest more sexual experimentation are kind of taking place as China has exposed itself to the outside world. Fourth, uh, there's the one-child policy. Now, the one-child policy, in a very complicated way, has led to an excess of men in some parts of the country. These are often referred to as surplus men. And these men, because there are not enough women, are more prone to, uh, could be more prone to exposure to sex workers who have syphilis. And in addition, as we see wealth in China expanding in kind of a dichotomous culture where there's still very poor people and a lot of wealthy people, these wealthy people are also more likely to have exposure to promiscuity and sex workers, again, uh, emphasizing or amplifying spread of STDs and also bridging from a into a married couple, you know, from a sex worker to a partner yeah. to a spousal partner. And finally, health reforms have reduced accessibility to cheap and ready health care. The control of syphilis in the 50s was all about very efficient use of penicillin and barefoot doctors. And the barefoot doctors are long gone. And so health reform in China has led to insurance companies and less general accessibility of health care in some parts of the country. And the upshot of that is that people are more likely to ignore minor problems like a genital tech problem that they would see as minor and not pursue health care or to seek cheap but sometimes ineffective health care from street vendors or pharmacies that might not give quite the right therapy. And all of these things help to explain this increase in the epidemic. So finally then, what are the public health priorities that China needs to adopt to tackle the resurgence of syphilis? This is obviously the most important issue. The, the reason to report the rise of syphilis is, in fact, to demonstrate, the article itself demonstrates the political will to recognize the problem and to mount a campaign to deal with the problem. But then the question is, how do you deal with the problem? The strategies of the 50s are just not going to be available in China in 2006. But there are messages that need to be learned from the 60s. That is, that political campaigns and political will are really important. And so some of the strategies in the 50s are going to need to be revisited and reinvented for 2006. The Chinese government obviously is, is concerned about this, as demonstrated by the article, and they are in partnership with the World Health Organization and an alliance of academic universities to try and develop uh, very um, emergent strategies. And I think that you have to kind of prioritize. I think the highest priority will be 
toward pregnant women, moms, to try and prevent congenital syphilis and to try and prevent spontaneous abortions that are associated with syphilis infections. I think from there, what will happen is a campaign will spread countrywide that will involve much more widespread detection and then emphasizing that people should get appropriate care. I think this campaign will be mounted in the next couple of years uh, on the back of all the recent uh, information about uh, syphilis in China. Um, I also think that this recognition of the importance of syphilis is not independent of China's uh, aggressive attention to the AIDS epidemic. So they've put a lot of resources assuring themselves that they're not going to have a massive AIDS epidemic. And I, I certainly think there'll be synergy between the attempts to control syphilis and attempts to control the transmission of HIV. Dr. Myron Cohen. And that concludes this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.